and it's important to you. Recording studio wasn't on. So how do you see yourself? It's a, it's a great question to present to yourself. There's a lot of things that we just skate over in our lives. And I think we don't ask ourselves the important questions often enough. And we just get caught up in our day-to-day routine. And then when things are quiet and we're alone, we turn something on to fill that void. Television, radio. We never want to get too alone and quiet. And that's a, a sad thing, really, because that's when we can really hear God. He says, be still and know that I am God. Most of us never get still long enough to really hear the Lord. It's something that takes practice. We should all have a place where we go and meet with the Lord and, and just talk like friends because that's what we are. And He loves us more than we can possibly know, but we won't ever know how much He loves us until we begin to associate with Him and have this personal relationship that I always talk about, which is what He really craves. He adores you. But Proverbs 23, 7 says that as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So that's, that's a wild statement. So whatever I think about me, that's true then. <laughs> well, it doesn't really mean it exactly like that, but that sort of, because what it's telling us is that our life is going to go the predominant way of our thinking. Yeah. And that's a big thing because most of us have a lot of stinking thinking. And it comes from the world, uh, you know, garbage in, garbage out type thing. So we're influenced by everything that goes in through these eye gates and ear gates, as it were. And we don't filter them or monitor them nearly as we should. And so (coughs) the Word of God is really the only thing in our life that contains life just like Linda is experiencing now, and that was her testimony. That's what she's saying. The Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, the Bible says. My words are spirit, and they are life. That's what Jesus said. In this section of the Bible, Proverbs 22-7 says that as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. He's talking about in that context about saying don't ever, don't eat with a stingy man. In other words, he acts, he might act like he's very generous, but in his heart he's weighing the cost of how much it's costing to, to give you something, you know. You ever had somebody like that? You don't even really want what they have to offer. It's like, never mind, you know. It's like they give it to you, but there's still a string attached, or they want you to know how much it cost them to be able to do that for you. It's like, man, you're not really giving anything. It just feels like there's something attached to it, you know? I don't want it. And the Bible says that's wise. That's how you should be. Don't take something from that person. They're always counting the costs. So on the outward side, he's, he's acting one way, but inside... He's really greedy and selfish. So as a man thinketh in his heart, because the Bible says that we uh, people look on the outer appearance, but God is always looking at the heart. So there's no fooling him. But I think a lot of us 
see ourselves in light of our experiences. And that's sort of a, you can see why that would happen. I mean, you know, our, our lives are, some people say, the sum total of everything that we've been through and had happened to us. And that's just not the truth with God. But with most people it is. That's how they weigh that's how the filters they're looking through is based on all their experiences and circumstances and things like that. Sometimes people see themselves all alone, like it's just them against the world. And other people identify themselves as anything but alone. They, they, they think they're worth and their value comes from their friends, their associates, the, the organizations they belong to, or maybe the job they do. That's how they, that's how they see themselves. That's, what, that's who they are to them. And God doesn't see it that way. <clears throat> what we do is not who we are. And what we've been through and what's happened to us is not, does not identify us in God's eyes. A lot of people that have this issue where they they associate themselves with uh, the, their peers, their friends, their groups, their relationships, their clubs and organizations and denominations or whatever. These people generally struggle with a, a demonic spirit, which is simply the fear of man. And Proverbs 29 25 says that the fear of man brings a snare. It's not from God, it's from the devil. And a lot of times people won't realize they're operating in the fear of man, but they are. They're always worried about what someone thinks, how they look, which it's good to have a spirit of excellence and want to be our best, but then there's other, you can take it to a place where it means everything to you, you know, how many likes you get on this or whatever. <laughs> and that is always going to be a trap because you'll end up doing things or compromising in order to please people instead of God. And so that once the devil sees that you operate in that, he's going to use it against you and he's going to set a trap for you. That's what the Bible teaches us. Proverbs 29 and 25. 29 verse 25. A lot of people like this, or what you might think of as sort of a chameleon, you know. They can, and I was this way growing up and in my early adulthood, especially when I was at my worst and I was out on the streets and I was running the roads and doing everything that I shouldn't have been doing. I kind of, I kind of fancied myself as a chameleon. I could get along with anyone in any situation in any group setting, in any circumstance. and uh, But I was always really just out for me, what's best for me. But I could say and be whatever I needed to be in a certain group or setting to get along and to get what I wanted. <coughs> Chameleon. And not only that, but I didn't care about, I didn't care about them and I didn't care about me. And because of that, on the street, it gave me what's known as an edge. 
because I, I, I frankly, I, I did not care what happened to me. In my mind, I had already lived my life. <laughs> this is how foolish the devil can trick you. I had already lived my life. I had already done and seen everything more than most people would ever get to in their life, and it didn't matter. I was just biding my time anyway. That makes a person like that very dangerous. You never want to associate with somebody like that <clears throat> because they'll pull the trigger right away, as it were. They, they don't hesitate. And so you never want to befriend someone like that because they need Jesus. <laughs> and until they find him and really mean it, they're just a danger to themselves and others, you know. So anyway, this all has to do with how we see each other, how we see ourselves, not each other, but how we see ourselves. Because we're only looking at ourselves today, not others. We're not thinking of, man, I know somebody who really needs to be here today <laughs> to hear this. Let's just look at ourselves. God says as, as long as we're looking at another person, sort of in judgment or thinking of their problems and their shortcomings, he'll keep his eyes on us. <laughs> so we, we'd rather let him work on us alone and let him deal with his people in his way and his time. But Jeremiah said it the best. All these things are going to come to failure. If all the ways, whether you see yourself as just you against the world, you see yourself as just you uh, and your, your identity comes from your friends, your relationships, your associations and groups and so forth, any of that, it's all going to come to no good end. Uh, even if it looks like you're doing great on the surface, underneath there's problems, there's heart issues, and it's never going to lead to the godly results that we really want, which is a life of peace, and prosperity, the blessed life that Jesus has paid for us to have. Amen? Jeremiah said it the best in Jeremiah 10, 23, when he said, It is not within man to direct his own steps. He said, God, I know that our lives are not our own. And that it's not within me. To direct my own steps, my own life, to plan it out, and to to make my own way, we'll mess it up every time. And that was a great revelation from Jeremiah. I think if Jesus would have been standing there, he would have said what he said to Peter that day, when Peter said, "You're the Son of God." He said, "Man didn't tell you that; God did." <laughs> In other words, it's a great revelation, and I know that came down from above. And I think he would have told Jeremiah the same thing because. It's exactly right. <clears throat> the point we're trying to get to today and the way <clears throat> that God wants us to see ourselves is the way that he sees us. <clears throat> and a lot of us don't really understand or know or trust um, our own ideas about what God's thoughts are toward us. Uh, we might... We might say good things. We might think bad things. Who knows? But I think most of us have, we have high hopes for what God thinks about us. But really, we have a low bar down here that we, you know, we, we can see where he loves everybody else so much. But if he, if he just knew about me, he, he may have some reservations about me. That's, uh, we all kind of have this condemnation looming over us. 
And it's the devil that perpetuates that, tries to keep it going and wants you to believe that because if he can get you to feel condemned and rejected and dejected and just to give up, then he's got you. He doesn't even need to, you know, he doesn't really, all the years I sat on a bar stool and was doing silly things and things like that, he didn't, he really wasn't trying to kill me too bad because he wasn't, I wasn't anyone to worry about. I was just out working for him anyway, really, so so just leave me be, you know. I was already dead in sins and trespasses and didn't even know it. I thought I was a Christian all the while, but I wasn't. So better, instead of thinking of ourselves as all alone in this world or even with just a bunch of friends, no matter how many you got, no matter how many powerful uh, you think you are because of the associations you have, if we're in our own strength or depending on other people in this world, it's always going to lead to disappointment. Um, it's better to see ourselves with God on our side and to know that we're not just um, someone that God loves and who he's with and will always be there to protect, but to even move further than that. And I think this happens in stages. To see ourselves redeemed and forgiven is important. But then you can move to that place where you can see and know that God is with you and you feel his presence and, and that strengthens you and encourages you. And then you can move to another level where you are a true disciple of Jesus Christ and you see yourself as God wants you to be, which is his ambassador to a sick and dying world. That's why when I talk about the the acronym for this church, which is HELP, to heal, empower, love, and prosper the body of Christ. I always talk about the fact that we need the help ourselves first from God so that we can be strong enough to in turn help others. Oh, thank you, Lord. First, we have to put our hope in Christ. That's the the hope to receive the salvation, then that turns, if we can't put faith into anything that we haven't hoped for. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, is what the Bible teaches us, right? So without hope, there's really nothing to release your faith toward. That's why I tell people, uh, you hear silly things from the world that we've just gotten accustomed to and we just kind of believe it and go along with it. But when you hear people say things like, well, I don't want to get my hopes up. Why? They don't want to be let down, right? So they just think if they just putter along in this mediocre state and don't ever really get their hopes up for anything, then it's going to protect their hearts. Well, that's ridiculous. If you're not living on the edge, you've taken up too much space. God wants you to get your hopes up because until you can actually envision something, you know, some of you are, I know a lot of you are very creative people, you know, and creative people can see things, they can envision things, they have dreams and hopes and aspirations, and then somewhere along the road they start to get beat down, <laughs> and you know, if... Uh, and, and, you know, don't take it personal because every family's the same. So, But if you're with your family, you know that sometimes your family is the worst one when it comes to your hopes and dreams of, of just shooting them down for you. Every family's that way, so don't, don't get mad at your loved ones. The devil does that. 
He uses the things that can, that can get to us, you know. But it's good to hope because if you don't hope, then you won't be able to release your faith in something. In this particular case, it's in Christ. In the grace that he's provided through the atonement is what we need to be able to put our hope in. And that, over time, will develop a track record in your life. Once you develop this relationship with him and you begin to believe him for things and you begin to have visions and hopes and dreams and you see him answer prayer after prayer after prayer and heal you time and time again and heal the others that you're praying for and bless people that you're praying for and pretty soon you've got a, a log, a, a stack of journals or old uh, spiral notebooks. I've got filing cabinets of things that you've written and prayers that you've asked and every single one been answered. And you go and you look through that stuff and you go, oh, God, you're so good. You are so faithful. Because he is. And then that has developed trust in your heart. You you trust him. You, you know, you get to a place where no matter what the world says, this crazy culture we have now, it's too late. It's too late for them to try to get to me, though. It, it's, it's, you can't undo the truth. You can't undo, you know, if I only heard about Tommy, if I only heard about Nate, if I only heard about my beautiful wife, and I really had high expectations and thoughts about my friendships, my brother, my wife, you know, but I'd never really had a first-hand knowledge of them, then you might be able to come and tell me different, you know? Talk me out of my high hopes for these people, my dreams. But once that relationship is established, and now I've watched as God for 10 years has made her into an amazing wife that I could never hope to outdo. You can't talk me out of that now, you see. You can't come and tell me what a bad person she is. I already know. You can't come and tell me she doesn't exist because I see her every day and I talk to her every day. What's well, the same way with Jesus? It's too late. I know him. I know the truth. And I want everybody else to know it too. And boy, does that play on your heart. When you see a world sick and dying, going to hell. And they're just so convinced that they're right. And you know they're not. It's sad. <clears throat> but we have to trust God. We can't carry that burden. That's one of the hardest things I had to learn in ministry years ago. Was to leave it all behind. Leave it at the door, you know, to, to, to throw our burdens onto Jesus' shoulders because he's the one that can handle the load. The burden of just carrying around the weight of ministry, I mean, just, just a small group or even uh, just the, the burdens and needs and, 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 and things that you're believing for and hoping for, it would just crush you under your own strength. That's why we can't see ourselves as all alone. Or just with a group of 
friends in this world to help us because friends we know are not always going to be there to help us. And we come to the end of our strength on a daily basis. I try to spend all the grace that God has given me for today before the day is over and then I start over tomorrow because there's only ever one day in the kingdom of God and it's called today. Praise God. But God's desire for you is for you to know who you are in Him and what you have in Him. And this is where a lot of people fall short. I want to read to you briefly just a prayer that Paul wrote 2,000 years ago called the Prayer to the Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1 in his opening remarks. And it's, it's interesting to think about it all this time ago. He's writing a prayer. And the Holy Spirit's inspired this prayer for him to mark down. And, and God knew, the Holy Spirit knew as he was encouraging him to write these words for the Bible. That it would be here some 2,000 years ago. And instead of saying, man, I hope that God gives you all that you want and can dream for and that he prospers you and gives you all these things and and protects you and that he didn't ask that God would do some things for us if you'll notice that just really I want you to to really if you don't see anything else today see that in this prayer Paul loving the believers in Christ prayed 2000 years ago for them he didn't ask that God would do anything Naturally for them, he asked for God to show them what they already had. Let's read it. For this reason, before I, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. So those are your qualifiers. First of all, that you have faith in Jesus and that you have love for his people, which I believe we all do. So this is for us, okay? I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Starting at verse 17 of chapter 1 of Ephesians. Here's what he prayed. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. That you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his great might. In other words, here's the the power that we have that God will exert in and through us. This amazing power. And he says, in case you're not understanding what power I'm talking about, it's the same power that did this. The same according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. It's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead that lives and works in us. (laughs) Amen. That he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. 
God has given us some things in Christ. You see it right here on this first page. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. He has blessed us. It's a past tense. You can see the same thing over in Peter. It's always past tense. Read that real quick. Second Peter verse 2. May, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Does that sound good? Would you like grace and peace to be multiplied in your life? Here's how it's done. To you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. That's the importance of discipleship. Of being discipled in God's word and knowing him. Because as you grow to, grow to know his word and his truth. You get to a point where you're so full of the truth. That you can't bear to be in the presence of the lie. People will talk and say this and that and that and automatically you know yes, yes, no, 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 yes, no. Why? Because you know God's truth. You know what he says about it and that settles it. Does that make sense? His divine power has granted, has granted to us all things that pertain to life, this life and godliness through the knowledge of him. There it is again. I remember how lost I was. How lost I was and how low I was when God came and saved me. And now listen, the scary part was that for decades I thought that I was a Christian. I don't know how I thought that. <laughs> the way I lived, but I did. I really thought that we were Christians. She was raised in a Pentecostal church. She, she said they were taught that everybody was going to hell anyway, so you might as well have a good time. And <laughs> I had been baptized a couple times, once drunk. So I figured that probably did the trick. But I wasn't a Christian. And by the time the Lord got to me, it's like the devil was slamming every door and window on my head. And I remember just... I remember just stopping on my Harley in the middle of the, the road, just pulling over and just, just going, what are you doing? I, this is too bizarre to be real. In other words, I knew God was involved. I knew the devil was involved. If there, you know, whatever all that meant, I knew something was going on beyond my control, and I was at the end of me. And I called out to him in my house that day. I got down on my knees and I said, Jesus, I didn't even know how to pray. I said, if you'll come into my house and into my heart today, I'll never ask you to leave. And man, did he ever answer that prayer. And I, since that day, have struggled to just be faithful in my request, in my promise. 
but now our relationship is so strong that I couldn't, I wouldn't if I even, you know, there's no one doing it now. There's nothing else. There's only death. Now I've found true life. And all the things that I struggled and strived for before, and I would go up to the top, and I would go down to the bottom, and I'd go up again and down to the bottom, and all the things I thought I wanted and needed, I'd get them, and then I'd still be empty. And now, I know what it means. Like I said last week, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. There's peace. There's peace. And it really is something that's attainable. All the old folks used to always ask for peace when I was a kid. What do you want for your birthday, Grandma? What do you want for Christmas, Mama? Just a little peace. And I have the answer for them now. It's Jesus. It's the real Jesus. (laughs) Not the one that people have fabricated or that some churches push. The real Jesus that loves us and died for us and has given us his whole kingdom and everything is on account all based on not our good deeds and what we've done to earn it but what he did for us then I had a a dream I was struggling even after he came into my life I was struggling and I'm almost done and I I still had this feeling of condemnation and guilt and, you know, maybe he loves them, but not me. I know it's too late for me and and he's still got to be ticked off at me. And he came to me in a dream one night. He did this a bunch of times, but this one particular, I was in a courtroom. It was dark and very intense. And I was standing there like before uh, the judge's uh, podium or whatever you call it, throne. <laughs> and I was standing there like someone who was being accused, you know. I was, the, I was the one on trial there. And I felt it. I knew I was guilty and I was just awaiting my punishment. And then I looked to my right, and there was my attorney, Jesus Christ. And he was amazing. Oh. And I knew at that moment that something was different. I felt his greatness, his power, and his love, and all that. And as I looked around, there was no judge, no jury, no one to accuse me, only him. And then he turned and he walked straight through the wall. And I remember falling down and begging to go with him, but he just kept going. I still had work to do. Then someone came running up to me and they said, he was, he was looking right at you. You're free. And I knew it. I was free. 
Nothing, no charges against me. Everything had been thrown out. And that's how it is with God. When we come to Him, everything that the devil used to accuse us and to condemn us, everything written on tablets of stone, Jesus took it, set, aside, set it aside, nailing it to the cross with Him. All of our sin, all of the judgment for everything we'd ever done, all the punishment for our sins placed on His body on the tree. Took it down to the grave and resurrected free and clean. Jesus wants us to see ourselves free. He wants us to see ourselves as beloved children. Paul talks about the fact that, uh, you know, in the Roman culture, which is where they were, the times, and they were writing the New Testament. In the Roman culture, if someone, if a, if someone was adopted into a family in Roman law, that child had all of the rights and privileges as the natural-born child himself, and it basically made them equal with their father. And so that's how Paul describes us as adopted children of God with all the same rights and privileges as Jesus Christ himself. So when God looks at us, he either sees Adam with that fallen, corrupted nature or he sees Jesus, the last Adam. And that's how he sees us today, covered in pure gold. And we need to believe that, because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. If you're condemned today, if you feel guilt and shame and heartache, and you feel like, a, even if you just feel like a victim... You go up to college these days, they're there to teach you how to be a victim. How to never miss an opportunity to be offended. And these are all ungodly traits, you see. God doesn't want you to see yourself as a victim. No matter what terrible thing has happened, and some terrible things do happen. But in Him you are free. You are not that person you are not identified by the things that have happened to you. You're identified by your new life in Jesus Christ, free and clean, born again. So it's not even right to say that Jesus came and changed me, changed my life or fixed my life. That's not accurate. That person is dead. I died with Him on the cross 2,000 years ago, and now I'm seated with Him at the right hand of the Father, just as you are. These are hard things to understand, because all we see is this fleshy body sitting here. But we are a spirit who has a soul, a mind, a will, and emotions, and we're just traveling around in this temporary body. 
God is a spirit. John 4, 24. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. God created us in his own image. God's a spirit. So how did he create you? Spirit. With a soul. And then we will eventually get a a new one of these. The spirit is already redeemed and sealed with the Holy Spirit. Incorruptible. Untouchable. One third of our salvation is complete. We have the very mind of Christ in that spirit. That's why when Linda listens to those scriptures that says how she was healed. By Jesus' stripes she was healed. If she was healed, she remains healed. The gift and calling of God are without repentance. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he did it for one, he'll do it for you because he's no respect to a person's. And she begins to believe those things. Then the truth that is within her spirit begins to come out and manifest into her soulish realm, her mind, her will, and her emotions. And she believes it. And she releases faith to receive those things that he's already given to her and they're on account for her. And they begin to manifest in the natural realm where she can benefit from them right now. Yes, it's going to be wonderful when we all get to heaven, but we don't have to wait. We have it all now. We just have to learn how to practice these things and believe what this Bible says we are and who we are in Him. And stop listening to the world. Well, I got about a quarter of the way finished. That's good. Father, thank you so much for your love for us. Your great grace. The power that you exerted toward Christ when you raised him from the dead. The same power that lives in us that raised Christ from the dead. Thank you, Father, for teaching us how to tap in to these spiritual gifts and truths. That we can take advantage of all the things Jesus died to provide us with here, now, in this life. All the peace, love, and joy we will ever need is an abiding fruit of the Spirit within us. Help us to learn how to walk after the Spirit, Lord, and not after the flesh. Help us to teach others to do the same. Thank you for loving us so much. In Jesus' name, amen.